This is Arab Talk on KPOO in San Francisco. We're at 89.5 FM. This is Arab Talk with Jess and Jamal. I'm Jess Nam, live broadcasting from San Francisco. My co-host, Jamal Dijani, is out on assignment. And we want to welcome you to another episode of Arab Talk here on KPOO. We've got a lot to talk about today. We're going to be talking about kind of an update on the Qatari situation. This is a situation that we've spoken about at length here, having to do with the attempted isolation of Qatar, a Gulf country, by the UAE, Saudi Arabia, Egypt of all places, and uh, Bahrain. These four countries have attempted to isolate Qatar both economically politically and with respect to their trade and it's been a pretty intense battle we're going to kind of review where we are with that but we're going to take a short musical break right now and when we come back update from Qatar stay tuned this is Arab Talk on KPOO in San Francisco we're at 89.5 FM we'll be right back Welcome back to Arab Talk on KPOO. We're in San Francisco at 89.5 FM. This is Arab Talk with Jess and Jamal. Well, we're going to start the show today by getting a little update about the situation in Qatar. For those of you that uh, have missed uh, an episode or, or so here on Arab Talk, we've been discussing the, the economic and political blockade that's been attempted on Qatar by uh, four countries in particular, uh, Saudi Arabia, UAE, Bahrain, and of all places, Egypt. And at least superficially, what, what these countries have been saying about Qatar is that as a result of Qatar sponsoring terrorism, that they need to be isolated and um, basically um, called to account for their support of terrorism over the last number of years. Now, the utter irony of Saudi Arabia and Egypt, of all places, accusing uh, small Qatar of uh, supporting terrorism uh, is somewhat, uh, to say the least, ironic, if at, if at times laughable, when you think about the history uh, of Saudi Arabia in, in terms of its support of various groups, and especially now when you think about Abdel Fattah Sisi, the current uh, uh, coup-installed president of uh, Egypt who has been exercising a brutal, brutal reign of terror uh, over various seg segments of the Egyptian population. So, of course, without needing to dig too far uh, below the surface, we understand that this is a political power play in relation to some of the regional dynamics of what's going on in the world. Let's see if we can just break it down ever so quickly here and give, give everybody an update. You know, Saudi Arabia and Egypt have aligned itself at this point for multiple reasons in this kind of larger geopolitical struggle that has been going on now for a number of years in terms of establishing an economic, military, and political powerhouse in the region. They really do, especially Egypt and Saudi Arabia, who are ostensibly seen as the leadership of the Sunni 
Arab world. Now, typically here on Arab Talk, we don't, and, and me especially, don't really like the kind of distinction between Shia and Sunni. It's an artificial distinction in most parts of the world, to be quite honest. But that distinction from a political standpoint rather than a religious standpoint is, is something that we use as a, uh, as a quick and dirty way to understand what's happening. You have Iran and you have, you know, uh, Russia on, on kind of one side of the equation attempting to exert its dominance over the region and various parts of the world. And then you have Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and Egypt, as we know, is the most populous uh, Arab country uh, in the world uh, by far. And then Saudi Arabia, among the wealthiest, kind of forming this coalition with the UAE, another one of the Gulf countries, and Bahrain, a smaller country, in an attempt to flex its muscle or its muscles in terms of political strength, economic strength, and military strength. Now, poor little Qatar, which has been run by the Althani family since the mid-1800s, it's a very small peninsula that uh, jets out on the eastern side of Saudi Arabia. It's a Gulf country. It has a population of about 2.5 million people. But here's the thing. Of the 2.5 million uh, people who live in Qatar, only about 250,000 uh, are Qataris. And, uh, you know, the number of Qataris in the country is actually very small, most of whom are part of in some way, shape, or form part of the royal family. Qatar has the largest GDP per capita in the world. The average per capita salary in Qatar uh, the, the, just came out recently is somewhere in the range of $120,000, $130,000 per, per Qatari, which, you know, if far and exceeds, is, is larger than any other country by far in its terms of its average per capita income. Now, what distinguishes Qatar in terms of... Um, its royal family, its monarchy, and its uh, economy, which is really very interesting, is that as opposed to the other Gulf countries, Saudi Arabia, UAE, Bahrain, Kuwait, um, Oman, for that matter, those countries' economy is, is driven primarily by oil. The price of oil, as we know, has gone down precipitously. There's been a glut of oil in the world, uh, you know, by virtue of the fact that the United States is producing more oil. Obviously, Russia is trying to get a lot of oil on the market with the removal of the sanctions in Iran. Iran has been dumping a lot of oil on the market. And then you have simultaneously kind of, especially with the Paris Accord, you have more and more countries trying to transition their economies to less crude-based economies. Qatar is really interesting in that regard because its economy is driven primarily by natural gas. And the percentage of natural gas to oil in terms of its uh, GDP, its, its economy and its output is, is pretty significant. It's like the, the majority of, of income and revenue generated in Qatar is from their natural gas sales. Natural gas is considered, and we put this in air quotes, is considered a cleaner form of energy, uh, widely and highly regarded throughout the world in terms of an energy source that can be perceived, especially in relation to um, 
especially in relation to, uh, you know, uh, traditional petroleum. Um, and since the price of natural gas has really not fluctuated that much, Qatar's economy has weathered the storm of these wide fluctuations and especially the deep uh, price drops in petroleum uh, uh, oil. So Qatar, ironically, even though it's having some financial problems prior to this whole row with these uh, four countries, was was despite you know the the drop in the price of oil, had been doing relatively well. Qatar is hosting the the World Cup uh, coming up, uh, I think, in 2022, if I'm not mistaken. They have a large infrastructure uh, uh, projects going on, attempting to build stadia. Attempting to build a mass transit, a healthcare, you know, mega complex, a university mega complex. It's an amazing uh, little country compared to its size when you look at its impact in terms of the global economy. Okay, so we put that all in context. Politically, Qatar is not what you would call a traditional political ally of either Egypt or of Saudi Arabia, even though it's part of the Gulf Cooperation Council. The Gulf Cooperation Council, or basically all of the Gulf countries, have this uh, agreement that they'll kind of work together, you know, economically. Uh, you know, people with passports from Gulf countries can go to any other Gulf country without visas. It's, it's a nice cooperative uh, arrangement that's been around for a while. Now, um, it's a small country, as I mentioned, but at the same time, politically, it's tried to position itself uh, on the political stage as kind of a big player. Uh, some people have described Qatar as and, uh, punching above its weight. In other words, trying to exert itself on the political side of things, uh, you know, much at a much greater level than its, you know, perceived size. And they've been involved in lots of deals. Um, when, you know, when the Taliban were trying to negotiate, you know, with the, you know, U.S. government-backed uh, government uh, in Afghanistan, it was really Qatar that held the negotiation sessions between the Taliban and the newly installed and U.S.-backed uh, Afghan government. Um, when Barack Obama needed to send uh, Guantanamo prisoners who were being released in exchange for Bo Bergdahl, and he needed a host country to accept six Taliban Guantanamo detainees, Qatar stepped up. Qatar also has very warm relations with Iran. They trade with Iran. If you look at the geography of where Qatar sits, um, a flight from Qatar to Tehran or Qatar to, you know, Iran in general is, is, is not, I mean, you can get there in less than 30 minutes to an hour. I mean, the, the distance between them in terms of air travel is very short. There are a lot of um, business that goes on between um, Qatar and uh, Iran. And, you know, it's considered... And uh, having been there many times myself, I can tell you it's considered, uh, relatively speaking, a very 
a very open, accepting, tolerant society, a, a very kind of highly educated society that really welcomes, you know, ideas and new ideas and the influx of, um, you know, various ideas. Uh, obviously, it's a it's considered a traditional Muslim country, but you know, it's a very safe place. You know, they they don't have these attacks that other countries uh, see and fee, uh, you know, you know, get on a regular basis. So, you know, many people consider Qatar kind of a, a really wonderful place. Okay, so Donald Trump goes to Saudi Arabia a few months ago. He does the sword dance with the king and the royal family in Saudi Arabia. The Saudi Arabian king uh starts uh with doing a whisper campaign into Donald Trump's ear saying Qatar is a sponsor of terrorism Trump believes it and you know basically two or three days after Donald Trump leaves his trip to the Middle East and gets back to the states Saudi Arabia Egypt uh UAE and uh Bahrain decide to basically put um, a stoppage to all diplomatic and economic uh, relations with Qatar really was devastating. Now, the other thing to keep in mind is the largest U.S. Uh, military presence in the world outside of the United States is also in Qatar. There's a, there's a base, there's a military base and uh, air base in, in Qatar that has over 10,000 servicemen and women and that base services the entire Gulf and the greater uh, region of that part of uh, Asia. It's in the Middle East. It's it's really, it's it's really the largest staging area for everything the United States does in that part of the world. It's it's huge. So that there's this rift and this embargo between Saudi Arabia primarily, and and Qatar is really causing a lot of problems. So basically what happened is that um, these four countries made demands on Qatar. And they demanded among, oh, the other thing that you should know about Qatar, it's the home of Al Jazeera, right? And so one of the biggest complaints that uh, uh, Sisi and uh, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia had against Qatar is that Al Jazeera is very critical of Saudi Arabia and very critical of Egypt in its uh uh, authoritarian rule of its president, al-Sisi. So one of the demands that they put on the Qataris was, in fact, you have to close down Al Jazeera and stop the sponsor, stop your sponsorship of terrorism. The, these, these were quickly rejected. What the Saudis decided to do is stop all trade. Now, kind of an ironic, funny story about this is, for example, uh, Qatar gets all of its milk products from Saudi Arabia. Uh, some of which are made in Saudi Arabia or just, you know, this is just a transit point for, from, for milk and milk products from Saudi Arabia into Qatar. So there was a couple of days, you know, once they stopped all of that, there was, it was very hard to find milk in Qatar. So what, what a wealthy Qatari businessman and royal family member decided to do is that he bought 4,000 dairy cows, <laughs> had them flown and is in the process of having 4,000 dairy cows flown on 747s and other transport planes so that Qatar can basically make its, you know, uh, supply its own milk. I mean, this is how wealthy Qatar is. It's, it's truly 
um, the Qataris can get anything done they, they want or need by virtue of their strong, you know, uh, economic and uh, financial standing. So um, even though Donald Trump made some outrageous statements about this, basically, you know, supporting Saudi Arabia and Egypt, um, this went at odds with what the State Department of the United States wanted. The State Department in the United States, rather, and this is Rex Tillerson, really wanted to calm tensions, and they saw this as a more nuanced kind of conflict between, you know, basically Gulf countries wanting to exercise their power and control. For sure, the State Department did not want to see the isolation of Qatar because it would destabilize the region. So um, basically they put all these demands. Uh, Rex Tillerson, our current Secretary of State, um, rushed in to try to mediate uh, relations um, Qatar said firmly, unequivocally, that they would not, you know, as a sovereign country, they're not willing to, you know, go along with uh, most of these demands, including shutting down of Al Jazeera. And just an hour ago, Saudi Arabia and the three other uh, countries that imposed this political and economic blockade on, on Qatar, and I think this is based on the help of uh, Rex Tillerson, basically decided to drop the demand that Al Jazeera media network be shut down. So um, that's a step forward. I, as I said, that's based on what um, I think Rex Tillerson did, but unfortunately that is not going to be enough. In fact, we do have a little bit more breaking news that uh, Tillerson just left the Gulf uh, region, I think about three hours ago. He just wrapped up his trip. And an attempt, uh, this is his second trip. He was there for 48 hours while the Trump administration is going through its own turmoil. And what he did is attempt to mediate this uh, stalemate. Just before he left, he went to Doha. He was there today, which is already, it's, uh, let's see, yeah, it's just past midnight in Doha now. He met with uh, Sheikh Tamim bin Hamad Al Thani for a second time together with a Kuwaiti uh, mediator. The Kuwaitis have also been very eager to, uh, to mediate this, too. And unfortunately, he left without, um, without uh, uh, any um, solution to this uh, problem at this time. So there we have it. Uh, they dropped the demand to close Al Jazeera, which really doesn't, uh, uh, really doesn't mean a whole lot. There's just no way that Qatar was going to uh, drop its, um, you know, it was no way it's going to drop Al Jazeera. I mean, they, they've cut down the budget of Al Jazeera significantly, but there's just no way that they're going to close Al Jazeera. There's no way that Qatar's going to give up its sovereignty. There's no way. So I, I don't see how this is going to get solved anytime soon. It might just be a slow boil with the Saudis, the Emirates, uh, Bahrain and Egypt don't understand is that really from an economic standpoint the Qataris have the upper hand. Qatar is the most stable country economically. Many would argue it's even more stable politically than these other countries. Um, whatever blockade or embargo they, they put on Qatar it's relatively easy to get 
get uh, to get around this. I mean, the biggest problem, frankly, has been Qatar Airlines not being able to use Saudi airspace. And, you know, Qatar is a staging place, for example, if you want to go to the holy sites in Saudi Arabia. So if you're, if you're trying to go to uh, Mecca or Medina or go to the Hajj through Qatar Airlines, you're, you might get stuck. So let's see what happens with that. I'm personally not very optimistic about what's going to happen with this, but uh, we'll continue to follow it here on Arab Talk. As I said, Qatar itself is a really interesting country from many, many standpoints. And, uh, you know, I, I doubt that the Qataris are going to submit to the whims of uh, uh, these uh, f- uh, three or these four other countries. Okay, that's the update on Qatar. This is KPOO. San Francisco. We're at 89.5 FM. This is Arab Talk with Justin Jamal. I want to thank everybody for listening to Arab Talk today. Send us your comments to arabtalk at kpoo.com. We'll see you next week.